Hello, everybody, and thank you once again for joining us on the Audio 9 Design Podcast. I'm Jason. In this episode, we're talking about a tool that everyone uses. No matter what your role is in design, you use this tool in nearly everything you do. And you certainly couldn't design as well without it, or even at all. And in and of itself, it's a genre all on its own. This episode, we're talking about photography and its role in design. So in the area of photography, in your designs, how do you use it? Does it really matter what genre you work in? I don't think it does. Be it graphic design, web design, motion graphics, even user interface design, of course, in ad design, textbooks, interior design, architecture, furniture design. Pick a genre. Pick the area you design in and try and tell me that photography isn't important. There are exceptions to this rule in certain instances when you don't use photography because you're trying to get a specific message across without using it. But any other aspect, any other situation, you use photographs to get your message across. So let's go through some examples as to what area of design and where we'd use photography. Obviously, graphic design. Photography plays a major part and is a major element of anything you do to enhance your message and help get that across for the client or whoever. How about web design? I don't think web design would be where it is today if we didn't have that additional element of photography. Granted, you can make a great website and not use any photos, but it's not as stunning, not as eye-catching as it is with photos. How about motion graphics? Motion graphics, primarily you'll use typefaces, but In a lot of cases, you'll have photos or at least a still from a video that you use in your motion graphics. User interface design. A lot has come from a user interface design. It used to be simple uh, pixelized graphics, things like that. But more photos and high-resolution imagery is being brought into interface design because it's so huge. It doesn't matter the platform, whether it's a laptop or a desktop or a tablet or a phone. Photos are a huge part of user interface design. Then we can move on to ad design, which that's a given. Some ads are just a photo. That's it. How about even textbooks? Did you ever open a textbook as a kid and see that there weren't a lot of photos? What did you do? I I closed it because I didn't want to look through a book that didn't have photos in it. Something to break up all the text. The same thing applies for interior design. What do people want to see when they're talking about interior design? You can talk all day long about what you're going to do with this, the placement of that, the colors here, but people want to see, your clients want to see pictures or at least a rendering of what it's going to look like. And the same thing applies with architecture. How about furniture design? Some of the best furniture designers in the world have award-winning photos of their furniture. Why? Because it gets your attention, it gets the point across, and it brings out the beauty in what you're describing. And it doesn't matter what it is, if it's furniture or 
a flower. A photo brings to life what you have in your head and what you are speaking about in the text. And what about photography itself? It's a genre all on its own. I'm certain if you're a designer of anything, you have some little bit of experience in being a photographer as well. You kind of have to be as far as design is concerned. I know as, you know as a graphic designer, I had to take many classes in photography and you know I loved it. I didn't consider it much more than just a tool to enhance my designs. But how effective do you think your work would be without it? Again, it points to the importance of photography, but think about it. Let's say you were doing a web design for a model. How effective would you be with that design if you couldn't have photos? How about you were doing a graphic design poster or a brochure for a car manufacturer or a furniture manufacturer or a toy company? How effective could you be with type alone? It's one of those things. I don't know if you take it for granted, but have you really put the thought into the value of photography in your designs? It's something we think about every day and you use all the time, so you may not think about it as much as you probably should. But as designers, I think it's good for us to look at what we do from a different perspective, a different angle. And I hate to say it because the phrase is overused, but step outside the box. Sometimes as designers, we have to do that to succeed, to push ourselves, to go to that next level as designers. And having that question of photography in or out of your designs is a good way to do that. When it comes to people, clients, uh, the world in general, some people are doers and some people are watchers. And those watchers are drawn to photography, which is what makes your design so valuable and what brings so much attention to all that. People are drawn to images. They're drawn to beauty. They're drawn to disaster or tragedy. It's just how it goes. That's how the human mind works. We as humans use all our senses, and what we see has a huge impact on what we love, do, think, feel. That's why photography is so important. And after all, millions of people and advertising dollars can't be wrong. We've all seen simple campaigns that are just a photograph with one word, two words. Campaigns and messages like this are continuously used throughout the ages for one reason. It works. Because of the photography, it works. Now, I may be preaching to the choir. I think we all as designers know the importance of this, but sometimes you have to step back and examine all the parts and tools you have available to realize how important they are. So if you're going to use images, you're going to use photos. What is your preference? Do you prefer digital photography or traditional photography? Color? or black and white. Of course, there are instances when one works much better for the other, depending on what you're trying to accomplish with it. But what's your personal favorite? I mean, what do you prefer to work with the most? Like I personally, I love the look, the feel, um, the tone of using black and white photography. There's just something, I don't know if it's pure about it, it's just something that I prefer. And I remember in college using the black and white photography and actually developing my own film and making my own prints on something I just connected with there. And I got to use a bunch of different cameras when I was doing my uh, black and white photography. Uh, There was this German, I believe it's a Linhoff camera, uh, 4x4 or 4x5 negatives involved. And it was was just so cool. You could see the textures so much better in the photos that you produce from those negatives. Uh, I don't know if it was just from the size or the, the actually technology involved in creating the camera and the insides of it, but 
there was something I just really connected with making those photographs with that camera. And it could have been it was a $15,000 camera that might have something to do with it. I think I checked it out recently, and it's more like a $9,000 camera now. But still, the quality of the photos you would get, it didn't really matter what you took. Uh, granted, they may have been crappy photos, but it didn't matter what you took with that camera. Everything just turned out so texturally perfect. It was beautiful. But like I said, that's, that's my own personal preference for uh, photography. I, I like the black and white. I don't want to get too far ahead in the photography thing. Maybe that's too late already, but we need to go over like the basics of photography in case you don't know where it all came from. So from an article in Britannica.com, we're going to hit on the very, very basics of photography just to get the point across. In its simplest form, the camera is a light tight container carrying a lens, a shutter, a diaphragm, a device for holding and changing the film in the correct image plane, and a viewfinder to allow the camera to be aimed at a desired scene. The lens projects an inverted image of the scene in the front of the camera onto the film in the image plane. The image is sharp only if the film is located at a specific distance behind the lens. This distance depends on the focal length of the lens and the distance of the object in front of the lens. To photograph near and far subjects, all but the simplest cameras have a focusing adjustment that alters the distance between the lens and the film plane to make objects at the selected distance produce sharp image on the film. In some cameras, focusing adjustment is achieved by moving only the front element or the internal elements of the lens, in effect modifying the focal length. The shutter consists of a set of metallic leaves mounted in or behind the lens or a system of blinds positioned in front of the film. It can be made to open from a predetermined time to expose the film to the image formed by the lens. The time of this exposure is one of the two factors controlling the amount of light reaching the film. The other factor is the lens diaphragm or aperture, an opening with an adjustable diameter. The combination of the diaphragm opening and exposure time is the photographic exposure. To obtain a film image that faithfully records all the tone gradation of the object, this exposure must be matched to the brightness or luminance of the subject and to the sensitivity or speed of the film. Light meters built into most modern cameras measure the subject luminance and set the shutter or lens diaphragm to yield a correctly exposed image. Now that's the very basics of a camera and how it functions, and I felt it was important to cover that since we're talking about photography. You obviously can't know where you're going till you know where you've been. Now the other part that goes with the basic camera is how you get prints and photos out of the images you captured. Again from Britannica, they said this. The most widely used photographic process is the black and white negative positive system. In the camera, the lens projects an image of the scene being photographed onto a film coated with light-sensitive silver salts, such as a silver bromide. A shutter built into the lens admits light reflected from the scene for a given time to produce an invisible but developable image in the sensitized layer, thus exposing the film. During development, in the darkroom, the silver salt crystals that have been struck by the light are converted into metallic silver, forming a visible deposit or density. The more light that reaches a given area of the film, the more silver salt is rendered developable, and the denser the silver deposit that is formed there. An image of the various brightness levels thus yields a picture in which these brightnesses are tonally reversed, a negative. Bright subject details record as dark or dense areas in the developed film. Dark parts of the subject record as areas of low density, i.e. they have little silver. 
After development, the film is treated with a fixing bath that dissolves away all undeveloped silver salt and so prevents subsequent darkening of such unexposed areas. Finally, a wash removes all soluble salts from the film emulsion, leaving a permanent negative silver image within the gelatin layer. A positive picture is obtained by repeating this process. The usual procedure is enlargement. The negative is projected onto a sensitive paper carrying a silver halide emulsion similar to that used for the film. Exposure by the enlarger light source again yields a latent image of the negative. After a development and processing sequence, the paper then bears a positive silver image. In contact, printing the negative film and the paper are placed face-to-face -face in intimate contact and exposed by a diffused light shining through the negative. The dense, black portions of the negative image result in little exposure of the paper and so yield light image areas. Thin portions of the negative let through the more light and yield dark areas in the print, thus recreating the light values of the original scene. And that will conclude my basic camera functions, printing, processing, etc. part of the podcast. Now we're going to move on to some of the more important things that you could possibly use in your designs. Technology in photography for 2017. Can you say drone? No? Okay, how about Polaroid? This great photography technology list comes to us from Trend Hunter Tech at trendhunter.com. I'm kind of a tech guy myself, so I find this absolutely fascinating. And some of this technology you could use, and some of it's just really cool. So, here it is. From camera-carrying drones to smart fridge cameras. From miniature drones equipped with high-tech cameras to gadgets that can keep track of the contents of a fridge, the CES 2017 Photography Innovations covered a wide range of new technology. Some of the biggest photography advancements at CES 2017 were related to drones. For instance, the Hobbyco CME, or CME, is a mini quadcopter that makes it possible for users to take hands-free selfies without the need to transport a large drone. For those looking for a more heavy-duty option, the Yearita drone is able to capture 4K footage from an altitude of up to 6,000 meters. Beyond drones, other CES 2017 photography innovations include unorthodox cameras. Instead of traditional point-and-shoot devices, consumers can now get their hands on HD cameras that print instant photos, thermal cameras that detect heat and moisture, and refrigerator cameras that can keep track of food. The following is the top 10 areas they were really excited about. Number 10, HD Instant Cameras. The Polaroid Pop Instant Camera offered enhanced capabilities at CES 2017. Coming in at 9 was speedy, lightweight drones. Like we said, the Yi Arita drone unveiled a carbon fiber design at CES 2017. Number 8, Photography Grade Smartphone Cases. Like the Exo Lens Case with Optics by Zeiss is debuting at CES 2017. Number 7, high-definition dashboard cameras. Seen any of those type cameras recently? I'm certain you probably have. They talk of three new car and driver dashboard cams that were debuting at CES 2017. Number 6, advanced photographer smartphones. The Asus Zenfone 3 Zoom made waves at CES 2017. Number 5, camera-carrying miniature quadcopters, like the Habaco C-Me we talked about earlier. Number four, Ultra HD Action Cameras. The Lay Echo LiveMan C1 4K Action Camera was announced at CES 2017. Number three, Smartphone Connected Camera Enhancers, like Johann Gottfreud's Operational System, that was also at CES 2017. Like we said before, number two, Intelligent Fridge Cameras. The Fridge Cam is on display at CES 2017. 
and number one, heat mapping cameras. The FLIR C3 rugged thermal camera was unveiled at CES 2017. For more information on any of these top 10, check out the website, trendhunter.com. So we talked about the important role photography plays in all that we do in design, and it doesn't matter what your job is. Photography is a key part of it. We talked about the basics of photography and how you get that perfect picture to come to life. And we talked about the trends, the technology trends that we can possibly use in the upcoming year and beyond. And I found an article on blazecommunication.com that talked about this exact subject. And I think it perfectly portrays the role of photography in what we do. As much as we hate saying things like this, no matter how good the design is, bad photography will only ever produce a below-standard job. Of course, we have tricks of the trade up our sleeves to improve poor photography. We can manipulate an image to increase the depth of field, or we can even use clever ways of displaying homemade photography to make the most of their snapshot appeal. But we do it in the knowledge that what we're producing could be taken into another league if only it had the right imagery. We all use photography, and it will continue to be part of our design as long as the sun rises and sets. And if you haven't before, embrace the technology as part of what we do and appreciate all that goes into it because without photos, all we design is just words on a page. So as always, thank you very much for listening. And that wraps up another episode of Audio 9 Design Podcast, bringing you the latest news, updates, and trends in the design industry. Again, if you have any questions about this podcast or you want to learn more about this topic, check out the podcast section for links and information as well as everything else you need to know at audio9, that's the number 9, design.com. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon.